Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Inner Visions of the Inspire, Obtaining Happiness. What's going on everybody? This is your host, Raymond Ricks II, better known as Inner Visions, or you can call me Sun Ra. Some people call me Inner Visions of Sun Ra. It's all good. Maybe I should get my name changed to that. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I love my name. But this is a topic that is going to be controversial. It is called Kill All Women. It's called I Shot the False God and the Devil. But I didn't shoot the truth. It's something that pastors, the pastor's kids, and the family need to hear. Because mental health is running rapid in the church. And nobody's talking about it. So sit back, relax, and let's get into it. As Intervisions of the Inspired is going to be raw. Welcome back, everyone, to Inner Visions of the Inspire, Obtaining Happiness. And the topic is, I shot false God, I shot your false God and your devil, but I didn't shoot the truth. And what I mean by that, I tell people, whatever God you are serving, if it's saving your life, if it is helping you do things in a positive way, like managing your money, being a good father or mother to your child, being productive in society, being of a good spirit, stick with it. But guys, just just know that it's okay for people to challenge you too. There's going to be people that are going to challenge your beliefs. They're going to challenge who your God is. Hey, people challenge me because of Buddha. They challenged me and they want to know more about Buddha. Why doesn't Buddha believe God? Why doesn't he? Well, the God, I tell people, in the mystic law, what Sensei is telling us, the positive spirit, the inner spirit, the mystic laws that we study the Lotus Sutra is inside of our hearts. All right. We don't need religion if we are living in a positive spirit, helping people get to where they need to be or giving people good, sound, positive, positive advice on how to go about different situations. I tell people 
And you guys should know. Revelations. In the chapter of Revelations. It talks about. The description of. Who Jesus Christ was. They say his skin. Was of bronze. Meaning. Is dark. Very dark. His hair is like wool. Not a straight hair like Fabio. Not some straight hairish like a rock star that you see. No, that's not a description of Jesus. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. No, he was not a blonde hair, blue eye Jesus. Okay. Is he black? Okay. That's cool. That's fine. Okay. He's darker than blue. Okay. Fine with me. But the question is, who is he? Is he for you? What contributions has he made to certain people? And what? There's more questions than answers. And I'm not discrediting Jesus the Christ. But I got questions. I got some questions. Especially the battle against the Amalekites. Especially the story of Job. Which will be on the next segment. He turned water into wine. That's fine. But how did he do it? Is it the magic hocus pocus? Or what ingredients did he put in to make water into wine? People actually believe People really believe in magicians. You can use a stick and turn anything around. If that's the case, Christ will come down on earth, use his magic wand, and heal the nation. I'm, I, will ne- I will not discredit Jesus. But people have questions. And that's very understandable. People have questions of Allah. If you are so much about peace, why is there so much chaos? And if your religion is fully, fully for peace, like you say, explain about the Islamic slave trade that killed so many black slaves some whites and other nationalities explain that explain the salacious relations that Elijah Muhammad had with younger women you have to explain you have to ask these questions and for Buddha yes To Buddhists, 
Why do you commemorate Gandhi? Why you see such a national treasure when there is history of Gandhi using racial slurs and have some racial actions towards blacks and people who are darker than blue? Who is Daisaku? Who is Daisaka Ikeda? Or Daisaku Ikeda, I'm sorry. I love Daisaku Ikeda. What made him sensei? Is he now your guy if you don't believe in God? Why do we treat him as God or is he the chosen one? Can he turn world peace into certain areas that are in need of world peace? What's with the suit and ties? There are so many questions to be answered. These false doctrines has affected a lot of people's mental health. Got it in the church. You got it in SGI and Buddhism. You got them in um, Temple 7 in Philadelphia. You got it all the way up into the Catholic Church where pedophile pastors and preachers and popes take him to preach the word. Religion is a business and religion has dark secrets. Dark secrets that we're too damn blind to open. Hmm. But I want to take the time to read this here. The site was it? Psychiatry resource. Yes. There are 7 million Christians in the United States experiencing deep depression each year. Now we're going very deep. Let's calculate the number of depressed. Excuse me, the number of depressed Christians in America is not something you can just look up in a journal or public health websites and medical records. And it says, because all people who identify as Christians are not the same. There are different denominations, different rates of church attendance, and different levels of adherence to orthodoxy. While it could be argued that the prevalence of Christians with depression should be measured as a part of regularly followed metric public health, it is not. 2017 through 2019, and the Pew Research from their data set estimated that 106.8 million Christians attended church at least once or twice a month. The National Institute of Mental Health lists the prevalence of having a major depress- depressive episode in 2017 at 7.1%. Applying the 
100% rate to 106.8 million Christians allows us to arrive at the number 7.6 million. And it also has read that Christians are associated with lower depressive rates compared to other denominations in the general public. Okay. Research also has not proven whether going to church decreased the likelihood of depression or if less depressed people are more likely to go to church. There also could be a reporting bias in some studies. Being a Christian does not guarantee a lower risk of depression. It may be that Christians who attended church have less depression because of other factors associated with the church attendance, including decreased substance abuse, higher social support, reduced perceived stressfulness of negative life events, better coping with stress. All right. Let's see, let's see, let's see. It says, why aren't Christians significantly less depressed than the general population? Biology is a factor. Following the Christian faith does not change its risk factors such as family history of depression, past episodes of depression, substance use, trauma, or medical illness. Right. 65% of family members believe local churches should talk more openly about mental illness to reduce stigma. 20% of individuals believe that their acute mental illness makes it difficult to understand salvation. 49% of pastors report that they rarely or never speak about acute mental illness to their church in sermons or large groups. 23% of pastors have personally struggled with mental illness. All right. But I'm going to tell you some things. There are factors to why you have Christians going through depression. One, their luck hasn't really gotten better. It has happened to some Christians. You have a lot of Christians in the church that said, well, their faith isn't as strong like it's supposed to. That's why they're going through what they're going through. Okay, you can believe that. All right. Fine with me. Fine. But what if their faith was stronger? Look at the uh, story of Job. His faith was stronger than any other believer. He had his wife, family, his riches gone away. 
still had strong faith with God and Jesus. But he was going through a depressive state, a depressive moment. He never gave up. And eventually, he got his riches back, had his new family. So don't say that Christians don't get depressed. Because they do. There could be a traumatic event that can happen in your life. There can be such thing as finding out the real, real truth of the Bible. Finding out that their God, their disciples had secrets. Which has crushed their psyche and broke their hearts. And now they turn back into what they were doing before they were saved. Hey, this shit is getting deep. You have Muslims that go through even worse depression because of traditions. Women, especially, because they're not mentally and vocally free compared to other religions. Women aren't free to express who they truly are. I do believe that women should be submissive to their husband when it comes to keeping the family together. But I also feel that the woman have a right to work and the woman has a right to think and be critical but also I do believe that a woman needs to be the backbone to the family not to a democratic party get my point (laughs) but it's all a psychology thing I believe that I believe that the people you worship they give you this false narrative that Jesus Muhammad Mary Moses Judah Buddha they're perfect they're not perfect they might do things to perfection but where's the evidence of them being perfect humans are not perfect at all some people might do it to perfection but they make maybe more mistakes than you did the biggest trick that a wise man has ever done is to convince you well I'm going to put it to you like this I wouldn't say trick. I'm going to rephrase that. The best thing that a wise man can tell you is that. The devil can claim that he has more power over you. When in actuality. The devil is more weaker than you'll ever know. It's a game of chess, not checkers. 
do the knowledge. Because knowledge is power. That's right. Knowledge is power always. Everybody, I will be doing a second segment. The story of Job. That's right. But why I say. I shot your false God. Well, I say this. In the Bible that you look into. Or the Quran that you look into. Worshipping. A false. God or deity. Is a huge sin. Ignorance is the number one sin. Believing and worshipping a false God over. A real. Messiah. A real God. A real universal God of love. Is considered internal and eternal death upon you. That's a that's a traditional no-no. Worshiping a false god. A lot of Christians, especially black churches, who put that white, blue-eyed Jesus up there, they are going to go into eternal hell for that shit. They really are. Because you're playing with your own mental illness. You are in the now in your falsehood of who Jesus really is in your eyes is making you mentally ill all the way up if you don't like it please challenge me or challenge me on Instagram live it's all good but if you want to obtain happiness with what you believe in, go right ahead. Just make sure you stay on that right path. But other people have a right to challenge what you believe in. They sure do. But you have to stay firm and go with what system works for you. All right, everybody. We're going to go into our second segment in just a few minutes. So sit back, relax. I will return in a few moments. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Now we are going to discuss the book of Job. Who is Job? And why he refuses to curse God, despite being cursed himself. Let's read. In this Old Testament. And this is the book of Job. And in the Hebrew scripture. It's found that the third section of the biblical canon known as Ketuvim the book's theme is internal problem of unmerited suffering 
an essential character, Job, who attempts to understand the sufferings that engulfed him. All right. Now it has chapters one and two. And you even have chapters three. So, um, let's look into it, shall we? All right. The book of Job, Artful Construction, accounts for much of its impact. The poetic disputations are set within the prose framework of an ancient legend. This legend concerns Job, a prosperous man of outstanding pity. Satan acts as an agent provocateur to test whether or not Job's pity is rooted merely in his prosperity. But faced with the appalling loss of his possessions, his children, and finally his own health, Job still refuses to curse God. Three of his friends then arrive to comfort him. And at this point, the poetic dialogue begins. All right. Job's sufferings and the manner in which he should respond consists of three cycles of speeches that contain Job's dispute with three friends and his conversations with God. Now he proclaimed his innocent and the injustice of his suffering, while his comforters argue that Job is being punished for his sins. Job, convinced of his faithfulness and uprightness, is not satisfied with the explanation. The conversation between Job and God resolves the dramatic tension, but without solving the problem of understand, undeserved suffering. The speeches evoke Job's trust in the purposeful activity of God in the affairs of the world. Even though God, his ways with man remain mysterious and inscrutable. So far, in the is also in the book of Job. He was the comforter of Job. He's the archetype of a good man whose misfortunes are undeserved. Like the other two comforters, Bildad and Elise, what is it? Elise Fa. Zophar emphasizes an old Hebrew concept. Suffering is the inevitable, a lot of the evil man. Therefore, Joe's protests of innocence are deceptive, even sinful. Zophar is portrayed as more hot-headed than his two friends. Hmm. He is identified as Namathite, or one who dwells in Nama, perhaps a region in Arabia. Now, Zophar's second reply to Job begins with an emission of agitation. Job cries for his friends' mercy and force of some of his arguments have upset 
Zophar, controlling his disturbance, he then harangues Job about the evanescence of the evil man's pleasure. Such a man may prosper temporarily, but then will inevitably suck the poison of asp and find that the earth will rise up against him. Hmm, some kind of friend this person is. Bildad is introduced in Job 2.11 as a Shutite, probably a member of the nomadic tribe dwelling in southeastern Palestine. Bildad's arguments with Job reveal him to be a sage who looks to the authority of tradition. His wounded orthodoxy provokes the lack of courtesy in his initial reply. In his first speech, chapter 8, he begins abruptly by asking Job how long he will make speeches full of wind. He then implies that Job's children died deservedly because of transgressions. He states that the wisdom of the patriarchs teaches that wicked men will perish as surely as reeds without water, but that it is not too late for Job to repent and be returned to God's favor. Hmm. In his second speech, Bildad rankled, rankled by Job's denunciation of the three comforters as being more stupid than beasts, compares Job to a beast in his angry tearing of himself. He then describes the terrifying fate of the wicked man, who although he may enjoy what appeared to be happiness and prosperity for a time, must in the end face of the king of terrors, his memory will be vanished. From the earth that he will have neither offspring or descendant. In his third speech, Bildad does not answer Job directly, but instead praises the transcendence of God before whom man is infinitely imperfect, a maggot and the son of a man who is a worm. Hmm. Wow, um, but here's what they're not talking about. The devil went to God and questioned Job. Why haven't you test his faith? Why haven't you done certain things? To him. He's worshiping you because of all the material things that he has. And God went along with it. God agreed. God and the devil teamed up together to test Job's faith. A lot of people. How many times has this has happened? Where the creator, meaning God, and the, and the devil has co-opted to test people's faith, even if it's 
to kill family members, even even if it's to kill all your riches, or even somebody has to be a sacrifice in order for God to show you what happened and why you should worship him. Some people have every right to question. The creator is the creator. The creator does things to perfection. But God is very mysterious. Like they say, it's the good, the bad, the beautiful, the bold, the ugly, the cute. All these descriptions of God. God has a balance. There is good and there is bad. There's positive, there's negative. And for those of you who said God is a good human being, he's never mean, he's never evil, he loves. The key word, he's a mysterious God. People don't know he has a balance. Is he perfect? He does things to perfection. But you're wrong to suggest that he is perfect, that he doesn't make mistakes. They say God makes no mistakes. Okay, God don't make no mistakes. But he does things that will make you wonder why. Like, why? Why you allow so many mass murders? Why are you allowing five-year-olds to commit suicide? Why are you allowing so many atrocities, so many homeless people, gambling, drugs? Why are you pushing? Why are you allowing this shit to go on? But then there's a good side. There's somebody who is out there using, abusing drugs. The doctors say he can't make it. The doctors say he's been sick. There's no way to cure him. Science and the data. Also, in every study, has put the odds against the person who is sick. But the touch of God's hand in his prophetic word has proved them wrong all of the time. All of a sudden, he's good as new. All of a sudden, his illness is gone. All of a sudden, he's healed. And then you have 
people who pray. They pray to God all the time. They pray. They have faith that they can beat this illness. Lo and behold, God has healed their illness. But then years later, it's in remission. Then a few years later, it came back more aggressive. And this time, they couldn't beat it. God works in so many mysterious ways. One minute, he heals you. The next minute, he allows for your demise. And so your spirit enters into the kingdom of heaven. There's the good. There's the bad. And there's the ugly. There's the total ugly in the dark of Satan, a.k.a. the devil, the god of the light. They have something in common. Jesus and Satan. They thrive for power and they want to control the people. They want them to worship them one. One has a proven record of miracles. The other has a proven record of deceiving There's a good, there's a bad, and there's the ugly. Love who you want to love. But the question remains, once you devote yourself to the God of your understanding, are you going to remain in that right path? Will you? Or will you simply just allow the hand that they gave you to be dealt? Or I should put it, are you going to accept the hand that has been dealt to you? You can always slap that shit and say, no. With that, everybody, this is going to be the end of our podcast. I enjoy talking to you beautiful people. This isn't an indictment of the God you serve. I don't care what religion or denomination, but people have questions. I respect the living word of Jesus Christ. I respect them. I understand them. But 
There's questions with every leader. We must understand that we all have to have a balance in order to be understood. All right. But I'm going to give some shout outs. Special shout out to my wife, Jennifer. I love you. And my son, Raymond Ricks III. I love you both. My parents, Sophia Vaughn and Raymond Ricks Sr. My brother, Brandon. He's come a long way. Special shout out to my entrepreneur family. Up in Instagram, I am Shell's X. Anthony Foster, better known as J. Can Trucker. Elevate with Vern. Ms. Nell, better known as Leonelli May. Um, Hypnotic Skincare, Karma's Paradise LLC. My good friend, Angela Means. Melba Moore, Shirley Jones. Happy birthday. Brenda Jones. Much love to your son, Phelps Jones. Big Cam Jones, what's going on, brother? Congratulations on... What is it? Congratulations on um, having a boy. I don't think he's born yet, but I want to say congratulations to you and your wife. Official... Jasmine Alicia, special shout out to you. My peoples over in Detroit. Mina Monroe, Velda Hunter. What's going on? My good friend, Alicia Coleman, my MAGA sister. And a big Trump supporter. Orlando Hill. My MAGA family, what's going on? Maggot in the house, y'all. Let me tell you. Keep your head up. Don't be discouraged. It's only the midterms. But real revolutionaries, real people know who the real president is going to be. People, a lot of people still don't like Biden at all. They don't like him. Just remember that thought when the presidential election comes around. Mark my words, there will be a change. You just got to believe. But I got to give a special shout out to one of the great WGAG hosts of all time. That is Don Nicoleone. Much love to you. We love you. Nefertiti surviving the game. What's going on? Great show last night. Cliff Lowry. Zena. Twink Star. Aristogal 2020. And the whole WGAG crew. Let's not forget Michael Davenport. Always make the impossible possible. And stay true to yourself and never give up on your dream. Hold on to it. 
like it's your last. I'm Raymond Riggs II. Y'all have a blessed one. And I'm out.